We're going to talk about some things today. If you have your Bible, your phone, you want to go ahead and go to Ephesians 6. That's where we're hanging out the next few weeks. Love for you to go there. But let me, let me start with this. The most famous magazine headline of all times was on Time Magazine, April the 8th, 1966, where the question was asked, is God dead? It was only 51 years later that there was a almost identical looking headline, is truth dead? Now, what I'd like to say to you this morning as we stay together is that those two headlines are directly related. When you have the death of God, it certainly is going to lead immediately to the death of truth. And if you look at Western civilization today, you could very easily say that is the path we have taken. Now, right now, we're studying from Ephesians chapter 6. Where the Apostle Paul has told us to stand, to stand firm, to stand your ground, over and over to stand. But here's what I want you to see this morning. If we do not have truth, there is nothing to stand on, right? You must have a basis to say, here's where we take the stand. You know the old adage, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for what? Anything. Let's do it again. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's why it's important that we stand on truth. Now, Satan knows that truth is his enemy and that truth is our greatest tool to defeat him. Listen to how Jesus described Satan in John chapter 8, verse 44. He says to these people who are spreading lies about him, You belong to your father, the devil. That's not a very nice thing to say to someone. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What a great description of Satan. Listen to me, my friends. Satan does not try to overpower you. He seeks to deceive you. He's not just going to come over in your life and just run over you. He's going to deceive you with lies here and there. Now, all of us know this because often we find ourselves in a moment of deception. You know, I'm put in a corner, and if I fudge on the truth, I'll come out looking better, and so I tell a little lie. Or if I fudge my numbers, my money will be better. Or, you know, I find myself in a situation with a bunch of people that are partying, and I just get carried away, and I imbibe way too much to it ends up being a mess. We all know there are situations where we, you know, we actually violate the truth. But, but let me say that about all of these things is in each one of those, you're going to walk away and and you're going to say, that was wrong, okay? We talked a little bit last week about about Satan can make right things look wrong and he can make wrong things look right. And we all get caught up in that. 
And those are the kind of deceptions he's been doing since he met Eve in the Garden of Eden and said, yeah, I know God said that. I'm not trying to say that's not true. I'm just trying to say he didn't really mean it. But now I believe in our culture today, he has gotten over an even bigger, more powerful lie. Write this down. Satan's most powerful deception is there are no absolute truths. Not just you might be deceived into right or wrong, into wrong, but there is no such thing as right or wrong. What's an absolute truth? It's an unchanging objective standard. If you have an absolute truth, then whatever happens is measured by that truth. That's why you can stand. For instance, today in Boulder, Colorado, there's the National Institute of Technology. And that's where the official time is kept for our country. It's, it's a very precise atomic clock that is right on to the very last second. And so everything we have is measured by that. I, I may have a different time. In fact, I, I do hate to tell you this morning, my watch has stopped. <laughs> that's not good news for you. Okay, it's... it's it's 12.05 last night. But there is, you know, and it doesn't matter what my watch says. It doesn't matter what your watch says. It doesn't matter if every watch in this building contradicts that timepiece. We're wrong because there's an absolute standard. And when it comes to life, there are some absolute truths. I mean, some of them we could just talk about or just not, not big deals, but... May we go outside in the spring day and we see a red bird. Well, the truth is, we can all agree it's a red bird. Now, you might say, this is what's not absolute, you might say, that bird is beautiful. I, I might say, quite frankly, I think it's ugly. Well, you see the truth, but you also see there are some things that are relative. In, in church, we deal with this all the time. We would all agree that from the beginning of the church, Christians have sung and written hymns and songs. That's just part of Christian tradition. That's just absolutely there. But some of you in here would say, I much prefer the older hymns because I think they are theologically deeper and express things that some of the newer hymns don't express, and I just think they're the very best. Others would say, no, I actually prefer the newer contemporary songs because they're more focused on God, and in my estimation, they seem more worshipful. I quite frankly often hear both those arguments. How about you, right? Now, those are relative. That's your opinion, my opinion, their opinion. It doesn't matter. And so some things are like that. But there are other things that are just absolutely truth. And God, Satan is destroying us by us denying the existence of absolute truth. Those were small examples. Let me give you a couple big examples. Our Declaration of Independence stated very clearly that all men are created equal. And it says that truth came from God. That's an absolute truth. And as a nation, we've not always done a really good job of living up to that. Certainly didn't for the first hundred years. But that's a truth. Now today, in a day where there is no absolute truth, all men are created equal is not always looked at as a true statement. The unborn are not equal. 
the mentally handicapped are not equal. Do you recognize just a couple of years ago, the governor of Virginia proposed that abortion be legal to two years old? The aged, who may not be at a function completely, are not equal because now, if it gets too bad, we practice euthanasia. In the country of Norway now, they have euthanasia bans that you can call up, bring to your house, and allow your loved one to be exterminated there, at least in their view. So this truth is even in question. A truth that's close and near to us is certainly in question, is that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus clearly stated this in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen closely. No man, no man comes to the Father except by me. And yet for you to express that in today's world would be to be questioned. Because we have substituted that with all religions lead to the same place. Now I want to go in a very sensitive area. In an area that you may not and I may not recognize truth is being questioned as boldly as it is. So I want you to hang with me for a few moments here. It it, it seems to me where truth is being attacked head on is in the area of sexual ethic, okay? Ethics. I mean, just, just, just some of you have been old enough. You, you, you've lived through the sexual revolution of the um, 60s and 70s. Before that, it was commonly believed that all sexual relationships, intimate sexual relationships, belonged in marriage. But at that point, those barriers were broken down because that was not an absolute truth. And then we've gone further to, in our country, and again, please, please take this very sensitively, where before the truth was marriage is between a man and a woman, now we've legalized gay marriage, okay? And then if you go a little further to where we are today, where we used to all certainly agree that everyone is either a man or a woman, we now say your gender is fluid. Now, I'm not being critical of people who may struggle with some of these things. People may have same-sex attraction. People who may, at times, may even question their body. Uh, for the Christian response to that certainly is to speak truth into those people. But certainly... We should be compassionate. So, you know, if you're sitting here and you're struggling with some of the things that I'm talking about, I want you to say, I have nothing but compassion for someone who's dealing with that. But it wouldn't be loving for me or for you to not speak truth. I mean, I just, I read a really great book. Let me show you the picture, of the cover of the picture. It's called Love Thy Body. Our youth minister, um, Wes Collum, actually gave me a copy of that. It's a pretty deep book. But as a youth minister, he's seeing these things dealt with right up front. So let's talk about this gender thing just for a little while. Because I I don't think most of us recognize how far this has gone. Facebook, just a few years ago, now gives over 50 gender identities. In addition to you being able to declare you're male or female, you can declare yourself transgender, androgynous, 
genderqueer, no bi-gender, gender fluid, third sex, it. We could go on and on. In fact, in New York City in the year 2016, there was a law passed where if you're an employee, employer of employees, if you do not use the chosen term, you can be fined up to $250,000. Listen to this quotation from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance. Transgender is the term used to describe people whose gender identity difference differs from the sex the doctor marked on their birth certificate. Now, understand here, did you notice the, the wording there? It's assigned. It's not a biological fact. So this is crazy enough that you would almost imagine a baby is born and a doctor is standing there with the baby guessing which sex it is. That, that, that's the way these words sound. But that's where we are. Here's what is believed. Gender is fluid. Now, what does that mean? One day I could say I'm a male. The next day I could say I'm a female. If I feel different the next day, I could go back to being a male. If I don't like either one of those, I could be an it. So it, it's become completely fluid. Gender is fluid. Now, here's, here's the bottom line. What counts is solely my feelings and desires. The body gives no clue to our identity. It gives no guidance with our sexual choices should be. The body itself and the way you're created is irrelevant and insignificant. So, what I'm using that to illustrate is how far we've gone from given truth. Now, let me, let me talk just for a second. How did we ever get there? You say, that's, that's shocking. That makes no, at least to us, logical, even common sense. And, and, and what I'm about to give you is a way oversimplification, so forgive me for this. But I do believe there are two earthquakes that have happened in thought process over the last few hundred years that have led us to this point. Number one is Darwinism. And Darwinism effectively kills God. Because, guys, Darwin was not just trying to teach that, that you evolved, or even as some people might believe, that God used evolution to make who we are. What, what, what Darwin believed was far from that. Darwin's goal was way different than just to prove evolution. It was the denial of purpose. That was, the, that was Darwin's distinctive condition. Humans are not the result are the result of natural selection, which was blind and had no purpose in mind. We are not the result of God's plan and purposes in creation. You said, what, what's that saying, buddy? What, what, what Darwin was saying is, who we've become was just a blind test and just the survival of the fittest and all the different things that happened through thousands and thousands of years that brought us to this point. What he's denying is there was no design, that God's hand was not in that. Now, now what, what's the point of that? If nature does not reveal God's will, then nature is morally neutral. And so instead of there being a will for who you are that is embedded in the very design of God, there is no will because it was blindness that created this. And so guess who gets to choose? We choose. Everything's, again, about our feelings. And then that sort of culminated in the second point I'll make is postmodernism. In postmodernism, 
again, oversimplification, I, I would say, kills truth. Now, what was postmodernism? It was a reaction to the Enlightenment, to what we call modernity. And, and in the Enlightenment, we were really into science and knowledge and study because we believed that truth was attainable. And then we swept over to postmodernism that says all truth is subjective because any truth you might have is based on historical and social context. In other words, there's no way to come up with absolute truth because we all enter that bias. So that's a quick synopsis of how we get here. The result, very frankly, is this, okay? We live by feelings over facts. Say that with me out loud. We live by feelings over facts. Can you, can you see that in our culture today? Everything is about how I feel. In the gender debate, it can be about how I feel on any given day. I can be a very young child and decide I want to change my biological sex. And many people would um, go along with that. But, but, but here's the problem with that, is it contradicts the facts. In the creation story, Scripture is very plain. God created people male and female. The body was built with a purpose, biologically, chromosomally, anatomically. The bi- every body is very distinctly male or female. In fact, not just is it obvious when a baby is born which sex they are. doesn't take anybody guessing. In every cell in your body it is distinctively either male or female. Therefore, if in my 20s I decided to go through transgender therapy and change and change my body, if I'm having surgery in my 70s, the doctor is going to have to know how I was born biologically, or he will not be able to treat me correctly. It's that ingrained. So, we come to this crazy point in our culture where feelings trump facts. And for for us, even in our country today, to say what I am saying is violating many, many laws that are being passed in many, many states. Sometimes we think we boil the debate down to who can go in which restroom. The debate is much bigger than that. So what is our response as Christians? Our response has got to be compassion. Think about what is done with children. But all of this is up in the air. You see, here's the truth. If if a child goes through some phases where they are confused about their gender, studies say if they'll just stick with what biology says, by the time they become a an adult, at least 80% of them will have no question at all. But now we live in a country where that can be changed. So how do we respond? Because we respond, as I said a moment ago, we respond with compassion. The confusion, the hurt, the pain that this has caused people is unbelievable. 
And so what we've got to do, guys, is, is Christians, is here, here are our armaments. The one we're going to talk about today, or are talking about today, is truth. But we also have grace. Remember what Paul said to us last week in Ephesians chapter 6. People are not your enemy. It's not our job to attack people that are struggling with this or either have come to this conclusion that there is no absolute truth. It's our job to speak truth, but to extend grace. Let's go back to Ephesians 6. Look at verse 10. Let's let's repeat what he said earlier, and then let's get to our armor today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So what do we do? We find ourselves in the middle of this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. That's why you need to be here all the next few weeks. We need every piece of armor. Don't, don't go half-dressed. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, when everything comes to head, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. How do we do it? Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Here's our point today. Our most powerful weapon is the belt of truth. It's the first part of the armor. It doesn't even look like armor, but it's the first part of the armor. Now, now what's the deal about a belt? We know a belt is what holds everything together. If I were to show you a picture of a policeman's belt, it's a big, thick belt. It's got his gun, his radio, his taser, his tools, his keys. It's got everything right there at his disposal. The Roman soldier Paul may have been looking at while he wrote this letter had a belt that was wide, thick leather with, wo- with little loops and slots to put his sword, put his rope, put his nap, his knife, his ration sack, his money sack. Everything was right there in this very thick belt. Now, what are the benefits of this belt of truth? Now, let me just give you a few here. First of all, it's just core strength. Core strength. The the idea here is that the belt secures everything else. Why? Because the average soldier then wore armor that weighed 70 pounds. And if it's not all tied together, there's no way he's going to function. If you're into working out today, they're going to say, what you must work on is your core strength. You can build the biggest biceps and triceps or whatever you want, but if you don't work on your core strength, you're not going to be able to move in a good way. And so the belt of truth gives us a stability to be able to destroy Satan. Now, Paul had talked about that just a couple of chapters over in Ephesians chapter 4. He talked about people who were not stable in their relationship with Jesus and truth. He says, They are tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He said, if you don't really have truth, then every new thing that blows your way is going to knock you over. So guys, why do we need the belt of truth? 
in this crazy world we live in that our children and grandchildren are being raised in. We've got to have this stability. Number two, it makes us battle ready. Without truth, we are vulnerable to any scheme that Satan may throw at us. And that's why we've got to have this belt with all the pieces of armor tied. And then number three, it gives us freedom. And and this is just the opposite of what the world would tell us. Now, what happens with this belt? Uh, A soldier that day would wear a garment that started at his shoulders and would go all the way down past his knees. So one of the purposes of the belt is if he got in a battle, if he needed to move quickly, if he needed to be able to to run toward the line or run away, he would take that garment, and as Paul would say, he would gird it, he would place it in his belt. And because of that, he had freedom of movement. And my friends, when we know truth, it gives us freedom. Now, what, what Satan is decept, deceived us to believe is if there is no truth, then you have freedom. I can do whatever I feel like on whatever day I want to do it, right? And, and don't, don't just go back to my, my major example today. Go back in your own life. If you just have absolute freedom to do whatever you feel like, what's going to happen? Let me ask you this. If you had done everything you felt like in your life, would you be here today? No, you'd be in prison. I would too, okay? We, we, we all would. I mean, feelings are a terrible guide. The, the Bible says the heart is deceptive. Uh, the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 3, don't lean on your own understanding. You're going to get in a lot of trouble. And it's not going to give you freedom because you aren't going to have the freedom to know what's right and wrong. And so everybody's left on their own to their own devices. So you spend the rest of your life going down these roads, trying to find what is right for you. And the truth is, they're all going to be dead-end streets. In fact, the Bible says that if you give yourself to that sense of freedom, that I do whatever I feel whenever I want to, that, that the Bible says that ends up in slavery. Our, our modern, nicer word would be, it ends up in addiction. That's really the most addicted culture ever. And I'm not pointing fingers at everybody. Man, I've got my own addictions, right? We all do. But it comes from this philosophy that everything is okay, and I get myself in behaviors that feel good, okay, because that's the standard. It feels good. And just a little bit of it first feels good, but then that runs out. Then i got to have more, and then i got to have more and more and more. And so what happens is that builds me not into a life of freedom that the world wants to tell me I've got, but in a life of absolute slavery to addictions I cannot overcome. So the belt of truth gives us freedom. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know this, John 8, 44, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set, set with me, set you free. You want your children to live in freedom. You want them to live in real life. You want to live that way. You've got to give yourself to truth. Now, what is the source of truth? Let me just, we're not going to get the whole way through my lesson today, but that's all right. Where do we get truth? First of all, it's just found in God. Uh, Old Testament scripture talking about God the Father. He is the truth. Jesus Christ, truth enfleshed, said I am the truth. The Holy Spirit, the third part of the Godhead, is to lead us 
into all truth. Because you see, that, that's why if you kill God off, immediately you're going to kill truth off. Because what do you appeal to? Go back to that quotation I was mentioning earlier from the Declaration of Independence, where it said that all men are created equal. Listen, listen to the whole quotation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. How in the world can you say that, Thomas Jefferson? Nobody in the world believed that at that point. Here's how I can say it. And they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. How do we know all men are created equal? Because we have a God who says that. A God who teaches that. Guys, God is the origin of truth. Here's the deal. You can't go any further back than God. God's always existed. And so God is the standard. And out of that standard from creation, God begins to teach us truth. Now, let's talk a little bit more specific about that. Where do we find truth? We find truth, number two, in God's revelation through creation and Scripture. Because here's what we as Christians believe. Not only is there a God, right? But we believe he's revealed himself. Deism would say God slung the world in existence, escaped, and did his own thing, and we're on our own, okay? So who knows? The biblical Christian faith says not only has God created us, but God is intimately involved with us. He loves us. And he wants us to know what's truth so we don't get enslaved. And so he's revealed that in two ways, basically, in Scripture. He's revealed it through creation. We learn so much about God. The topic we've talked about today is, is born in creation. So many of, of what the things we're debating today in our culture is because we're not lit reading the creation story in Genesis 1 and 2 that very plainly outlines what it's like. And then we also believe that God revealed himself through this book we call the Bible, through Scripture, so that all of us are not out on our own simply trying to figure out what truth is. It's like where we've left ourselves. It's like a pilot without an instrument panel. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you've read and you've heard about pilots who get in the air and it's cloudy or rainy and they get disoriented. They can even be flying upside down and think they're right side up. That's what happened to John F. Kennedy Jr. We all know that. Well, how does the pilot avoid that? Instead of trusting their feelings they read the instrument panel that they can trust guys I see so many of us because of a philosophy of the world that we don't even understand we are flying upside down we're doing things based on our feelings they're getting us in a lot of trouble they're destroying our own personal lives they're destroying our families and, and here's the answer guys we've got to look at the instrument panel. 
And that's why Paul starts here by saying, guys, what you need more than anything else is to put on the belt of truth. So let me close with this one question for you today. Are you living by feelings or truth? And guys, this is, all these teachings are so subtle that, that, that many of us don't even pick up on it and don't know how deep it is and don't know how it's actually built on the philosophy about God and about truth. And, and so now we, we've got to this point where, well, if it feels good, of course. And if you feel like living this way and you don't, you've, you've actually denied yourself. And, you know, um, and I make decisions in my everyday life. Just about, okay, what does Buddy feel like? Do I feel like going to church this morning or not? Do I feel like being active in church or not? Do I feel like going out and getting drunk tonight because life is bad? Am I lonely and sad and feels pretty good to click on my phone and look at some pornography? I don't really feel like reading my Bible this morning. Of course, if life's based on feeling, I don't. So guys, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. This is not just this big philosophical problem out there. It is that. But what's happened is it is filtered into our everyday life. We don't understand the philosophy about it. But way too many of us Christians are living off feelings and not off God's revelation. It's like I said last week, we're asking the wrong questions. I want to do something or not do something. I want to put this as a priority in my life or that a priority in my life. And, and, and my question is, well, what, what would fulfill me? What would make me feel better? At least it, it seems that way. Not, okay, is. Has God actually said something about this? I'm, I'm just sort of shocked at the amount of Christians who never, when they're talking about priorities and talking about their life and talking about what they should do, they, they just don't ask, what did God say? Because I, I wish I had more time because the pain of this philosophy, I mean, just, just for a second, can you imagine what some of the things we've talked about today are doing to children? Can you imagine what it's doing to, to young men and young women who wake up with same-sex attraction they never chose? And the world said, that's who you are. Or are people who now think, you know what? I mean, great day. I love her and it feels good. Why not? And they, they have that biological, chemical bond that happens. And this hookup culture, man, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Because you rip people's souls apart. Again, I, I could go on and on this morning. I think you see what I'm trying to say this morning. But I'm telling you, friends, in this crazy culture, we've got to be the people who stand. And we've got to stand on truth. And that means we've got to dive into what truth is. And we've, we've got to speak about it. Because if you just listen to the media, if you just watch all the different platforms, 99% of it has nothing to do with the truth of God. And yet our, our, our kids and even us, we're being fed it and fed it and fed it and fed it. 
And then we won't even stay around for Bible class. Where we're fed truth. I know, I know I'm coming down hard right now. That's, that, these are not notes. This is God-given. Okay. <laughs> because I'm, I'm not trying to come down hard on you or on me. But I'm trying to tell you that there is truth. And in that truth, there's security. And in that truth, you can build a life that Jesus would describe as the abundant life. And so this morning, if you've been living off your feelings instead of off truth, we give you a chance right now for us to pray for you. If today you need to, you need to look at the instrument panel, and there's some things on the instrument panel that, that are really all messed up, but you've not been looking at the instrument panel, and you've just been, you've just been walking through life living off your feelings, then today's the day to repent. Today's the day, because none of us are immune from this. Nobody's pointing fingers here, because we're all growing up in this culture. So if you need to come for prayers today, if you've got something on your heart, Today, you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and be baptized. Why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?